Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. In today's episode, I talked to social media expert Tremaine Teo. I took a lot away from this one. She's very wise when it comes to the world of social media and more for that matter. But if there's any insights you're looking for from a social media perspective, this one is a must listen. If this is your first time here, I wish you a very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, let me know your favorite bit on social media at 10Q Interview Everywhere. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you want some extra bonus points and you get some value from this episode or you really, really like it, a review would be hugely appreciated. It would mean the world to me. And also, Tremaine, I'm assuming if you share this episode far and wide, there is probably at least one person you'll think of when listening who would benefit from also hearing it. So make sure to let them know. Anyway, enough from me. Now, onto the podcast. Tremaine, a very, very warm welcome to Thank You Interview. Thank you for joining me. I'm looking forward to chatting to you. You came very highly recommended by previous guest of the podcast and your boyfriend, Yuri. So uh, welcome. Thank you for having me. We'll crack straight on with question number one. You meet a stranger and they ask you what you do. What is it you're most likely to say to them? So I, I have a hard time explaining it now, but I do remember a couple of years ago when people would ask me that and uh, I would say, I make things go viral. Okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's an easy to explain kind of like social media marketing without going to the depths of it or the details of it. Because yeah. when you say viral, people automatically assume and know it's on social media and then and then the conversation can start from there. These days, I, because I, I, there's no clear definition, but I, I do, my work is a lot focused on social innovation, social media marketing innovations, and especially around the area of social commerce. So I say, you know, when you go on, on to Instagram shops and you buy those things and how those products get there and how those recommendations get there, that's yeah. kind of what I do now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you work for yourself? Do you work for a company? No, I currently work for Group M, Group M Nexus. Okay. They, yeah, yeah. They, uh, I've, I mean, I've been with them, I guess, off and on for, for a while now. It's one of those things in the industry. You kind of just kind of hop around and then kind of end up back at your first home. Most of the yeah. time, it was my first media role. The really interesting thing about, I guess, what I do and kind of what I do here is the difference in the in the approach or the culture, the DNA of the company, even though it's global. So I came from yeah. the APAC Singapore office, and here the attitude is vastly different in how they approach innovation or social media marketing and the different stages of, of its products and its offerings. It's quite it's really been eye-opening actually. Yeah. Is that is that a good thing or a bad thing in the sense of you come from a different area and presumably you bring different ideas that they I guess I don't know I mean massive assumption here but <laughs> APAC region are they further ahead yeah. than Europe when it comes to social media and, and the way we engage with it I think um so to answer the first part I think the good I mean it's good and bad thing it, it I think it's a bit of both there's always pros and cons but the the one thing I really liked about here is that people are very open to learning about what other countries have done and right. try to implement uh, what works for them or might, might work. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know if you, I mean, lots of people have lots of opinions about working with the Dutch or Dutch people in general. And, yeah. you know, it's all around like, oh, they're very blunt. They're very, uh, they're very closed off. They're not approachable. 
I think these are a bit generic, but for me, I felt it was the complete opposite. They're in fact very, very innovative in in their DNA. I mean, you can see from Yuri. I was um, going to say that's. I'm yeah. surprised to hear you say that because I, <laughs> yeah. I, any experiences I've had with Dutch people in the past have been the total opposite. I think they've been, again, a mass generalization, but as a race, very friendly and open and nice really generally i know i i i I can't help but wonder because in apac especially in singapore the proportion of dutch expats or people just dutch culture you would not be exposed to as much as say someone from the uk australia germany france right so it's one of those things so it's all untrue and so they actually really enjoy lots of learnings and i've shown lots of products or things that we've done in in social that would really work here. And I felt that it can can be very simple tweaks, you know, to what we're doing currently. And by that same way, it's also then improving kind of what they have here. And, and so then by the reverse, they're actually also not as advanced in some of the things, not in a bad way. It's just that, for example, uh, buying things on social media or on digital in general in, in the, in Europe and, and Benelux, as we call it, so Belgium, Luxembourg, and Netherlands, yeah. uh, they're not as advanced, but not because like, oh, they're slow. It's because people here like the personal interaction and going into a store, yeah. right? But in Asia, we're so spoiled with like instant gratification, instant delivery, next day, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the industry couldn't help but evolve towards that behavior. If not, they will fall behind. So by that, also then by that same token, there's some things that I feel like Asia can learn about in terms of culture, you know, like this whole talking to someone face to face, going out for a coffee, go for a walk in the shops, go for a walk in the park. We're losing a lot of that because, I mean, COVID didn't help, but, you know, in terms of learning. So I think both can learn from each other. But here is definitely a good thing. And that was actually one of the main reasons the company uh, hired me uh, because of my learnings in, in social media commerce specifically. Yeah. Um, there's lots of technological advancements or enhancements that I thought about in Asia because the the market just evolved a lot, lot quicker uh, versus the Netherlands. Yeah. How how have you found it moving to the Netherlands? I mean, obviously, Yuri's from there originally, so it's, it's, I guess it's less of a jump for him, but I don't know what your exposure was to the Dutch prior to... None. I mean, how have you found it moving across the, around the world? None. So I've uh, I've lived in quite a few countries. So it wasn't the whole process wasn't new. So I lived in Australia, in South Korea, in Indonesia, in Hungary. Um, oh, okay. So it's the whole process of being into a new culture and learning a new language is new. But I have to say, one Yuri, obviously having Yuri there is great because at the start everything will be in Dutch, which is yeah. ironic because you think the government would send you information in English, knowing that. <laughs> anyway, it's it's very insane. Going to the Are shops you and Dutch? Look, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm. I guess an advanced beginner. I can. Okay. I can read and write pretty pretty well uh my my listening and my speaking is not that great but if i go to a store and order things or you know like go to a restaurant and stuff like that it's okay some social conversations are okay uh but more complex things are if someone is like you know use has a very specific accent or has lots of Mm. colloquialisms or slogans or slang then it's impossible for me to follow my neighbor (laughs) is a very good example she speaks like she's on a roller coaster you know that doesn't stop right it just goes on and i'm just like oh, i i catch nothing 
<laughs> so it's, I mean, to be honest, it's, then the second part, the Dutch government is very, I'm not sure this is widely known, they're very open to foreign talent and foreign investments, and they make it quite accessible for you to get the information you need to okay. uh, to come to the country to work. They also have lots of help. Uh, they have a WhatsApp channel that you can chat to somebody in a real person. They okay. also have lots of online resources that are easily understood. And this is the funny part. All of their online resources are in English for foreigners. <laughs> but they send you in letters in Dutch. Okay, fine. Okay. Fair enough. So they really make it a point to to give you the best information, the most amount of information for you to be successful in your application. But that doesn't mean it's easy. So there's many steps and quite a tight requirement because the Netherlands offers uh, lots of really good um, benefits for foreigners. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, all foreigners that reach, that have a very specific type of visa, the highly skilled migrant visa or something, okay. uh, we all get five years, uh, 30% tax exemption. Fun fact for anybody who wants to wow. live here. Yeah. And as you know, Europe, like with uh, many other countries, uh, the Netherlands has one of the highest tax rates. I think we start at 38 or 40% as base. Yeah. So, you know, it, with the 30% exemption, it's a really, really good uh, tax break. Yeah. And you can have that for five years. And how, how long have you been there now? Uh, almost one. Okay. <laughs> I have another four <laughs> to go. <laughs> So let's see. <laughs> Are you happy happy with happy with life there? Oh, it's amazing, Chris. I can't I can't emphasize how I mean there's a couple of things I mean, like any 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 situation you have to give up some things to get other things. So yep. you pay and tax in Asia it's a lot higher. I don't know. Pay is a lot higher, tax is a lot lower. But yep. the work life, okay, I wouldn't call it balance. I would say quality of life versus work. It's not quite there. Here, right. your tax rates are a bit higher. Your salary is not that high. But they, the quality of life is, you know, you have time to go and, you know, put your kids, do a school play. You can have a, 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 a papa day, papa dag, as we call or mama dag, right? So yeah. mama day, a papa day where you can take a day off. You can negotiate that into your salary. It, and lots of people here who work full time in the agency have their own side businesses. They really okay. promote, yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, work is to support your life and not the other way around. So they really encourage a lot of these things. And, and so you you never find that, you never find someone talking about catching a client call after hours. I mean, if it does happen, it's it's not common, yeah? Mm. And it's, it's really refreshing. And I remember the first month I worked here, I was saying to you, what am I going to do in the evenings? Like it's 5.30 and I can finish my work and... <laughs> And then what? And he's like, I don't know, find a hobby. <laughs> I'm like, okay. So it was so, it was insane. The entire switch for me was was a bit, I, I, could, I, I couldn't manage it, you know? I was a bit like, oh, I'm really free now. Shocked to the system. Like... <laughs> and, did, and did you find a hobby? Well, I did. So I, I, I pulled in. So I, I bought a home pole. So I have that. Okay. Uh, I would uh, go for a walk. I would, uh, so I'm, I'm, training to be a yoga teacher so I have online courses so I did and then and then I started going back to so I, I love cooking so I would find new things to try and you know because of I finish work at five and even four sometimes because I start at like seven mm. I have time to go to the grocery store and buy something and come back and make proper food for almost every night of the week because I have time I'm not rushing 
there's more than enough time to do everything you need. You get a good eight hours sleep and you start your day afresh. And no one expects anything to be done after hours or on the weekends. It is extremely liberating. <laughs> it's, in, it's interesting you say that because, I mean, you referenced Asia being not like that, mm. but actually uk is not really like that and from what i know friends in the states it's not really like that either so really it makes me wonder it makes me wonder why the dutch have got that so spot on because i think it's the same mm. in in like the kind of the scandy countries you know denmark mm. sweden norway sweden they have the same thing and you, and you often read them mm. about read about them having you know the highest quality of life scores everywhere yes it's kind of interests me why I don't know, more countries aren't taking a leaf out of their book and doing the same because... Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah. because we are... I mean, to be fair, also the Netherlands... Okay, Dutch people are not very boastful, so all these things, they probably... They don't find it a need to kind of go talk about it, like like German engineering, per se. Mm. Um, so they, are, they're not boastful about what they do and the practices they have, and so they're like, of course we do this. I mean, why would you, how would you live otherwise? It's the kind it's, of thing... Because it's logical, isn't it? exactly it's all yeah. logical like why would you work 60 hours and spend 20 hours with your family i mean that sounds incredulous and stupid to them you know and then and they'll tell you it's stupid like why would you do that and in fact many of them have also expressed you know i would rather take the better quality of life than the higher pay because what's the point i'm extremely yeah. unhappy extremely stressed and even when i get time to relax i'm not relaxing because i'm thinking about the next day or the next call or if my phone rings at 11 should i pick it up you know, yeah. so yeah, and we, I think we can definitely take a, a page out of them. Now, obviously, on the other hand, in terms of economic prowess, the Dutch are at a stable rate, I would say, not that they're doing better or worse. In, in the EU, we're all kind of facing a bit of an issue. But, you know, in Singapore, for example, because we're so small, and we have no natural resources. If you don't become some sort of superpower, it's also hard to maintain stability or I guess some form of, um, how would you say be at the top of their game you know because they have they they have no other resources the dutch have you know have their own produce have their own farms and all the rest and in asia they're a little bit stretched or kind of limited in terms of what they can and can't do and so if they're not economic superpowers with global headquarters and you know driving all of this kind of growth then i guess it's a bit stuck nonetheless i think there are definitely lots of little lessons we can take up or we can adapt to to the current economic conditions, because if you've got he healthier, happier workforce, naturally, it's uh, mm. it's going to boost your economy. You know, it's a long game, hundred percent. But you, if you look at everything in a short form return, you will not be strategic about anything you do. Everything's just an immediate win, and then you have to restart the entire process because there's nothing you learned from previously. You know, that's life these days. Weirdly, <laughs> The episode that I just put in the episode live tomorrow, and we talk about it in that about everyone's just so short term these days mm. from every aspect, like you know, whether it's politics, whether it's marketing, whether it's business, whether it's parenting, like it's just everyone's out for that quick win. It's kind of strange because everyone knows deep down that actually the long term, if you do something long term, it's probably better in the end. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. And if you think about learnings as well, it's the same thing. If you're just doing something really short term, how would you have enough time to evaluate what you have or haven't done, right? Because yeah. when you have a strategy, you put things in place, you structure things, you have a timeline. 
you go through seasonalities and you think about these things. And that's something that, you know, in terms of social media marketing, it's also something because everyone's uh, all for that virality and that instant trend. And you're like, my question to the clients is always, okay, and then what's next? How are you going to know what's going to be the next big thing? And so they're like, well, you can tell us. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't predict the future. <laughs> So you bring that back nicely. I was going to ask you about virality because you, you started yeah. the, your answer with that. Yeah. So I'm assuming it's pretty often that when you're speaking to clients, the, the big request is make us go viral. Not in so many words anymore uh, or the exact word of virality, but yes, you're right. So how <laughs> do we make this kind of go far and how do we stay on top of things and how do we be number one. I mean, everyone wants to be number one. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those, yeah, like how do we how do we tackle this market and the Gen Z and all these things? And and then they're so anxious about like when TikTok was launched, they're like, oh, we want to get on this trend and become viral and everything. I was like, well, firstly, if you're a pharma brand, you shouldn't be on TikTok. Yeah. You know, for example, right? If you are working with the right influencers or content creators who are doctors or whatever, then please work with them. But if you're an insurance brand, do you really think people should take life insurance as a joke or as an entertainment? You know, you need to become very... And then they start kind of going, yeah, but then this brand is on TikTok and everybody's on TikTok. Everybody's doing this trend, you know. They're going viral with these things. I'm like, there are good and bad, uh, you know, virality kind of topics and trends. But brands get very caught up in this whole, we also want to be there because we don't want to miss out. I'm like, yeah. what exactly are you missing out on? You know, and then, but by deflection, you have also then the brands who refuse to get on anything else but Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> but you're just like, yeah, but you kind of need to di- diversify a little because, um, you know, the world is so much that every person on average accesses three to four platforms a day. Yeah. Do you, right? do you have so, a favorite platform? If you could only use one more for the for the rest of the year, which would it be? Instagram. Would it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, as much as uh, as I say, I'm I'm my I'm my own like enemy, you know, when it comes to social media and virality and things. And don't get me wrong, I really love content that works or brands that make super cool things. Like Burger King is very good at social virality content. IKEA as well, um, KLM at a stage was also very good at that. And I feel that their brands do make great content that go viral because how does it go viral because it's relatable it resonates it speaks to the brand and people can understand it right yeah. and 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 you can't get that with instant gratification content strategies you kind of need to think about this you know so uh, it, it's but if i had to pick one you know i think instagram is great because it's got everything from a stories format to a shopping format to a yeah. like a tiktok format but not really tiktok and i can still search for shopping ideas i can chat to people i think it's the most flexible um platform uh that's non too disruptive because you don't ads are there but they're not as i guess in your face sometimes yeah. i feel that yeah so i, I quite enjoy it do you, do you, it's my guilty you... pleasure before i sleep you know cat videos are amazing <laughs> gotta tell you if you're having a bad day Honestly, <laughs> go on Instagram yeah. Muse and search for like cat therapy or pet therapy. Like it's great. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, I mean, I don't know. Do you think virality or getting by something viral, is it is it a formulaic thing? Is it something that any brand can, can theoretically achieve? 
Theoretically, I think yes, because Var- even though Varali doesn't have a formula, but he has certain, I would say, things that you can take off um, that every viral campaign has done. Yeah. Um, well, back in the day when organic content, only organic content existed, then virality really is dependent on how good your content is to take it viral. Yeah. Now you can have a bit of a media support behind it. So put some money behind it to get that first boost. And then yeah. if it if it resonates, it will naturally take off. So a few key things. I, so I used to work with a, I won't say who because... I'm bound to buy a contract. Um, is <laughs> an entertainment client, and they were obsessed with Varali, even though they're a huge brand and everyone would know your brand. Like, why would you care? But we yeah. did go through this exercise about virality and, or trend jacking because there's always a few things you need to know. So one of the so I developed a bit of a checklist for them. So things like, is it on brand? If it's not, we don't even further this discussion. Right, that's yeah. the first part. Two, uh, is it relevant to uh, our current campaign? So whether it's something that's a brand, like a product being used, so brand aside, right? Brand values and brand character, this is just brand safety. But yep. what about current campaigns? Is it in line with what we're doing? Maybe is it an Easter thing? Is it a? Is it even in line with anything we're doing? If we're not, sorry, why would we look sorry at Sorry to interrupt you, Tremaine. It's sorry? interesting that you have that checklist about being on brand and being product as opposed, <laughs> to, the, as opposed to the client saying to you, we can't do that because it's not on brand. And it's not about a product. Yeah. Or are they so, so desperate, uh, so desperate for that virality, they're willing to turn a blind eye to that stuff. Yes, a lot of them do actually. You you will be, I mean, sometimes surprised by some of the biggest brands where they forget these things. The the irony is, so the communication comes to me, and I'm having this checklist. So the brand check, the product relevance check, and then the. Uh, the last check was so platform and all these, once you go past those two, you, you don't really have a way to stop this train basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what that happens is we package it and we have to, depending on which brand specifically, we might have to go to a, a bigger person for approval and 99% of the time it gets shot down. And I kind of yeah, want to yeah. go, I told you so because once it's not on brand. Get involved or the CMO <laughs> exactly. or the head of brand or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And and the thing is, but then there are one of those two cases that it uh, that it does go crazy, and uh, we did create something. Again, I won't mention any brands, but we did get something, and we won an award actually for okay. one of the New York, uh, like basically one of those social media awards. It was so crazy because the content had like minimum no money next to it. It went everywhere, and um, even the the one of the main. Um, like casting crew and people working on stuff, right? Were like part of the t- working team picked it up from the US. Like, there's okay. no link. Yeah, so it was interesting, and and that's when it really does work. So if you look at campaigns that really gain lots of traction with very minimal kind of budget, it's because it's on brand, it's related to their products, it speaks to an emotion in, in somebody. So is it laughter, um, joy, joy, laughter, happiness? It could be sad so resonating with some uh, uh, something that is i wouldn't say negative but you know something very emotional for the audience yeah. like christmas campaigns for example are very good they're always a little bit more heartwarming or like can be sad in that way and they often don't actually sell anything no. they don't sell a product they don't really explicitly talk about a product they kind of seed it into there but there really is like a call to action or buy from ABC, you know, that kind of thing, which is what mm. most marketers or clients can forget because they get so caught up in the whole, oh my God, look at what happened here. I'm like, yeah, but if you look at the content like or the video or whatever, 
they're not really yeah. selling something, yeah? They're selling the brand. So, yeah. So, I, I know for a fact that I have quite a few entrepreneurs and, I guess, smaller businesses listen to this podcast. Yeah. And, obviously, they don't have the budgets that, you know, I'm sure yeah. some of your clients do. Is, is there yeah. one one bit of advice or one tip that you give them to think about that they could implement in their own stuff to not necessarily go viral, but at least get more reach, more, more views. Is there something obvious that they should be on their mind? Yes. The number one issue that I encounter with uh, social media marketing with majority of clients, big and small is they tend to think of themselves as the audience now this is a very common thing people go no of course not we have audience profiling but i'm like yeah but who did the profiling did you do it or you know what i mean it's like if you think about it you have to really especially if you run your own business and thing you need to really step away from it and actually sense check it with somebody else because they forget they're like no of course we think in the shoes of the consumer I used to but do 99% this a lot. of the time, you don't. And they forget that. They're like, well, you're not the consumer. You have to remember that. Yeah. And actually, so the bottom advice is go to be where your consumers are and make sure that you're speaking in the way that they need to be spoken to. An example you can have a multi omni channel strategy, say on YouTube, on Google search, and all the things, but the content that you put up there, for example, somebody who goes to Google, that's more pull, that's a, uh, so pull and push marketing, right? This yeah. person has to actively go and search for something on Google. So you don't have any say in pushing something through before they search for something. Now, the kind of approach you do for your SEO or your kind of keywords and et cetera will be very different, say, on a Pinterest and Instagram search because they're really more specific. They will search for a specific person, a specific hashtag, a specific brand. Yeah. So you would then also put your content differently. The same way if I'm on stories or on Reels, like... It's going to be different. On Reels, I'm not expecting like a 15 second. I'm happy to watch something for a minute. But if I'm on the story, don't go on this sad stop stop story journey for like, you know, however long because now you can do up to a minute. Mm-hmm. They're going to have such a, they just want to kind of, oh, ha ha, and then just kind of go through, right? So yeah. it's it's really about, you know, un- really take un- asking yourself truly, do you know who your audience is or who you want your audience to be? And then reach them where they are. And, and I'll, I'll give a bonus. Yeah. The second part is, Learn to admit when you messed up and say no to something because some people keep going on this like hamster wheel. They go, no, 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 I'm very sure. But if you've tried it multiple times, hey, maybe it's not working and you just need to pull the plug on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying then about the, the channel <laughs> side of things because I think especially now with vertical videos, and I'll mm-hmm. hold my hands up, I'm equally as guilty of this, is... um you put it everywhere, right? It's one video and you just put it everywhere. Go yeah. on YouTube shorts, go on Instagram yeah. reels, on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even, you know, sort of Facebook, but I guess to your point is the way people consume each platform is different. Yes. Mm. Or even within the platform in the different formats, it's very different. Yeah. And so again, so for, for small businesses, for example, or small to medium ones, then figure out what are the top, touch points that are good for you prioritize your things right if you've got limited mm-hmm. money that's the next thing you need to do which sounds very logical because i mean in a household budget situation you would but yeah. why wouldn't you apply the same principles in your business i guess 
I mean, on the subject of money, then, so do you think that people have? You, you mentioned earlier that people you you start campaigns off with a bit of paid spend to kickstart. And I guess this is a bit of a loaded question, but with organic reach being how it is these days, is yeah. Do you think, from your expert knowledge, that that's most people have to do that to kickstart a piece of content? Well, it is a loaded question. <laughs> As a media professional, uh, we don't, well, not we don't, I don't genuinely uh, recommend a any organic content strategy unless it's tied to, unless your brand is quite big already or you're partnering with a creator or content or an influencer. I, I don't like the word influencer, but I'll say influencer. Influencer. Yeah that has some sort of a base uh, viewership. It is really challenging and it's not about anybody or, or whatever it is. It is really challenging to, to cut through the clutter of content that's out there and the variety of platforms that people can go into. So, and the, you know, the best part about it is that social advertising, and, and I shouldn't be saying this, it's really not that expensive. No. So if you put... If imagine if you just put like any can anywhere be from fifty dollars to a hundred just to get some traction, and if you believe that you know it's off sound topic and it's something that people will pick up, then the next one will just get easier and then it will get cheaper. Yeah, yeah. So the whole belief in organic content is no. I don't think there's an absolute yes or no. I think there are uh, there is ways to tackle it, and we as marketeers or we as brands and we as advisors and consultants need to give the best mix of what you can and can't do and with limited or, or with limited budgets now the one thing i would say is i don't believe that if you don't have money for marketing in general whether it's working with a creator or putting media spend behind something or even creating your own content that's also money right because that's time behind you put something yeah then you shouldn't be starting this journey because if you've built something really well why wouldn't you spend a matching amount of effort to market it yes. however you want to do it you know I used to no. tell this to my client. Uh, it's like I bought a Picasso and I hung it in my beautiful um, lounge or my, my my living room. But then I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't invite any invites. I didn't organize anything. But I expect people to know I have a Picasso or want yeah. to see it. Like it's my stamp of like, oh my God, look at what I have, you know? Mm. Well, no one's going to know because you didn't tell anyone, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, yeah, I, I read a lot about how distribution and marketing it's, it's kind of weird in entrepreneur mm. land on twitter mm. for example you get loads of people who build amazing products and tools and services which are yeah. really like incredible yeah yeah 99 percent of them can't market them or have an aversion to it or whatever it's, it's kind of weird it's it is because it's also like, but it's a good product or a good service or good something. And like, why wouldn't you spend some time thinking about how you want to do this? Now, I get that lots of products like app or tech developments need a lot more. But along that same train of thought, either you partner with someone that can help you with that or you mm. start thinking ahead of that. Because at the end of the day, that's that's when lots of like, uh, that's basically your, your fork in the road. You know, what do you do now? Is the yes. product ready for lunch? Do we have money? Like you, you will never have enough to market something, especially when you're 
in a startup or a scale-up. You have to make room for that money or you have to make a conscious decision about that money and take and a I priority. Think, I, I think spending the money is the problem though, isn't it? Because, <laughs> you know, you go, go back five years or something, organic yeah. reach was phenomenal. You go on any yes. social platform, you put a post out yes. and 100,000 people will see it. Mm-hmm. And there will be people, myself included, who are kicking themselves that I wasn't audience building five years ago when mm. it was, in relative terms, it was easy, right? It was just the, yeah. the social platforms were crying out for content and putting your content in front of millions of people, like for nothing. Yeah. And now people are getting, realizing that's not the case anymore and actually have to spend money. I think all of a sudden that puts that doubt into people's mind. They're like, oh or nervousness doubt i don't know what it is but it's a funny it's an interesting topic nervousness and doubt yeah i think that's a good way of putting it i and i would put therefore that drives fear fear yes. of the unknown fear of not knowing fear of whatever it is right however even though i'm very risk averse in lots of things because i'm a strategist and a planner at heart but I would say then if you don't put something out there, you'll never learn and you'll forever live in fear of this big unknown and, and, and then not, you can't move forward. That, that's yeah. just it, right? So, I mean, again, you, you make calculated risk, you make calculated decisions. But, you know, by that same token, and how if you look at all the people, again, going back to virality content or brands that do it well, they all took some sort of a risk, 100%. Mm right before they know how much they can push the boundaries of their brand or their marketing efforts and yeah and to be fair i can talk about this for ages <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very um passionate point of mine like you know, which is why i'm in my job because i love debating about what's a good strategy and what's not and and kind of like you know what kind of content works you know should i do this i'm like there is no right kind of wrong right or wrong way it really depends on lots of factors and yeah. um and maybe one day I'll run my own business doing this. <laughs> Just talking to people never and giving them advice. Never, right? Exactly. So do you, um, I can't remember if it was before we came on air, if we started speaking about it or when we started, but obviously you were introduced to me by Yuri, who was a previous guest. Does he, does he tap you up for social media strategy advice? Because <laughs> he's, he's really into it, isn't he? I mean, his YouTube 100%. channel's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, actually, funnily enough, it's the reverse. I offer my help. I say okay. that I'm more than happy to um, help him because, I mean, versus you spending three hours of, or half a day or a full day, it will take me 30 minutes for you to, for me to explain something to you really quickly. I mean, I wouldn't do any work per se, but let's say you're trying to understand the algorithm or the or how the advertising works or, or, or you know, kind of just bugging questions that you have in your mind that you, you struggle to either find clear answers because the platforms will never answer you per se. Or yeah. you can't really find a hard Google answer. I'd be more than happy to spend thirty minutes, an hour, like you just buy me dinner, literally. <laughs> because I, I think, and and that's fine, right? Obviously, when it comes beyond that, then I I think I once proposed he was trying to build a commerce funnel. I was like, okay, for every I want fifty percent of every sale you make. I happy build this out for you. <laughs> it's fair, right? Because then it shows if it works, it works for me, and you know, it's it's one of those things. And but this is interesting because the other day. Actually, I think just over dinner last night, we were talking with some friends. Uh, we talked about this whole like asking advice and for help. And ironically, are the people who are furthest from me who have ever kind of like texted me or dropped me a message. And some of these people are just acquaintances or somebody that, you know, I knew in passing for a few years now who asked me for yeah. proper 
like oh I would love to pick your brain about all these things and I'm just like and at the start to be honest I was kind of like well I don't mind having a chat and then I realized that the chats would get into longer chats and very concrete mm. questions about how to solve some business problems so I kind of had enough because when I before I came to the Netherlands I had two three months kind of break uh, as, we're, as we're moving so I offered some help but I said you know but just pay me for the hour I, I'm not asking for like a lot just some kind of like, you know, something in return, right? And I'll be more than happy to do the work for you. And I got lots of people, but except for one person, I think I had like, okay, let's just say out of 10, 90% was asking for free help. And then yeah. I went and I said, I said, hey, I'm yeah, happy to have a chat. And I'd be like, oh, this is interesting, la, la, la. And I'd be saying like, uh, you know, if you're serious, let me send you a link, book a time and uh, we cannot charge by the hour and stuff. And then somebody said, are you serious? I was like, Yes, I am very serious. Why should I give you advice for free? They're like, oh, come on, Jermaine, da, 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 we're friends. I was like, no, we're not. Like, I haven't spoken to you in three years and you suddenly pop up in my LinkedIn message expecting for free advice yeah. for your business. I mean, just, this, just reread that sentence, like that whole thing, right? And again, mm-hmm. I always say it doesn't have to, yeah, if, if there's no money. So this whole like exchange thing, right? Trying to build a commerce funnel. Okay, if it's successful, 10% profits, 50%, like whatever, right? There's many ways for that discussion. But you, if you outright ask for a, a handout because you're not doing so well and I'm like, well, what about me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's interesting. People yeah. make an assumption, don't they, that it's just, mm. I don't know, you've got nothing better to do or you're... Oh, they deserve you, it. You, you know in the real world, right? If Yeah. If, a big company comes along and and you know your agency is charging you out to them for a lot of money yeah and like you i i, I used to have the same problem people would yeah. come up to me and ask me questions it starts off you think oh yeah i'll help you out and then yeah it just invariably gets longer and longer and more in depth and it's like it turns from a, a quick 30 second conversation to a full website audit or something like you're like what yeah how do strange. you manage it now I just say no. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it depends. It depends what it is. It depends who it is. It depends what they're asking. Yeah. But I don't know, you do have to draw the line somewhere, right? Because... 100%. And it's not even that I'm, I, I don't I mind giving away stuff. My philosophy in life is sort of give away, help, help, help. But there's helping and there's spending hours doing something. Like, that's not really on. So... I feel no, like if, really the way I approach it is if I, I, I think that someone's really taking the, the mickey, then mm-hmm. I won't do it. No way. But if it's someone who's genuinely, you know, stuck or needing help or whatever. But, mm. I mean, Yuri does the same for me. Yuri sends me WhatsApp messages with advice about how I should have done yeah. this on my YouTube videos and how yeah. I should <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's yeah, become he like a facto mentor. Yeah, he's uh he does it with because I'm trying to like you know my whole yoga and pole dancing thing and I was like uh and and he was like you just start I'm like okay I I get that part but you know I'm not you I can't just go start you know I I'm a, I need a little bit more for me as a person it's very funny we always run jokes about um so how he helps me so he he would just then go buy domain names for me <laughs> I do that for my wife. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you guys! Good present though, because yeah. and then, so he's bought. He goes well. No, now I, I I can't not do something about that. So, so that's that's what I'm doing. No, but I think it's I think we need reminders like that as well to be like, well, if you really 
want to if you say you want to do it then do it like just start somewhere and like the same way i advise my clients start somewhere if you don't start you don't know right Mm. are you going to be the next uh adrian uh no (laughs) you know who i mean right yoga with adrian adrian yeah like the numbers she gets on her youtube channel are just i don't know her last name incredible hundreds how long has she been around i don't know i can't remember I should check oh, this out later. Yeah. I know. He 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 references some people on YouTube. He's like, oh my God, look at this person. And sometimes I look at their profiles and they have, haven't been online that long yet. Mm. And they've got lots of uh, subscribers and views on their content. Again, so then going back to the content, it's like what's clearly relatable or she's relatable or the person's relatable and what yeah. she's putting out there is very relevant or somewhere, somewhere someone has picked it up and it just kind of went from there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but if I do become that person, uh, we can have another interview. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, well, I guess, I, I mean, that kind of leads nicely onto the next question, perhaps. is like, if you weren't doing what you're doing in social media land and money was no object, what, what mm. would you do? I'd love to be a performer. I'd love to sing and dance and perform. I'd love to be on stage, even as a child. Do you? <laughs> Yeah, hundred percent. Yuri knows this, and actually, all my friends know. I love to be in the spotlight. I mean, not in the. I I try not to make it sound like I'm like kind of grabbing all the attention, but I love. So, for example, at work, I love presenting. I love the show and tell. I love being on stage, and I and I love that kind of. Um. Okay. Grabbing the spotlight is a very bad way of putting it. It's kind of like I really enjoy the interaction, and I really enjoy you know entertaining and seeing people being delighted or you know kind of just the the how how good it seems to make them feel uh mm. with that it is kind of cool like uh, so in pole dancing for example when i first well even before i used to be a dancer before i went to university and with pole dancing we used to have mini performances and people would tell me you know oh my god like you know you look so good that was really nice and to see you inspire other people or if someone wants to learn how to speak in public, like with, like for me, it's very, I love that because then I love that I can share that with other people. So I I love to be a performer if I can sing and dance and, you know, again, that's probably also, you know, like be careful what you wish for, you know, and the industry is also a whole other thing, but a mild version of that would be nice. (laughs) It's funny you say that because I I think when, you were saying earlier about, you know, Yuri, Yuri getting you onto YouTube and doing whatever. And and a lot of people don't want to do YouTube for fear of, because they don't want to be performers. They don't want to put themselves out there. But mm. it sounds to me like that's not an issue for you at I all. I don't and... care. <laughs> no, I love it. Like on LinkedIn, people are like, oh, can I tag you? So um, it's really funny. Like uh, when I used to work in Singapore, as uh, well as I was a head of social ed group in Singapore and Meta, uh, Facebook uh, we we had a main contact uh, she loved using me as a as a not a model but you know if she has some interview questions or uh, she needs a representative she'd be like hey Tremaine can you record a video for us and do this and that and I was like yeah for sure <laughs> and so I've been used in one or two of their sessions where I give some insights and stuff and uh, yeah it's fine and I don't mind it at all um, yeah. you could be the uh, the pole dancing equivalent of yoga with Adrian. I could be. I mean, I'm not that good yet, but you know, maybe it's possible. So that's what people we'll are, you say not being a good. I mean, that's, I recently learned this. Someone told me this about yeah. a lot of people fear putting themselves out there because they're not good at something. And this, this guy was mm. saying, well, 
half the battle is actually showing the the learnings and actually showing the progression and the journey and actually more people want to see that just as much as they want to see the the finished article Mm. and I hadn't really thought about it before but actually as I reflected on it I thought it's actually a good way to look at it yeah I think that's a good point and um yeah, I think that's the whole so for example, if I had to if I started a business or YouTube thing around consulting and social media and like funny stories and whatever, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. Like we, I can write on like 10 things that I can talk about. I think that the yoga pole dancing thing on vid, on, on YouTube is interesting cuz you did tell me like you should you should pick like three kind of areas. For example, one, don't do this or one, I if only I knew this then I would do this other thing, right? Yeah. And learning is important. And it's really funny because to your point, the other day, so I started doing some homework for this website or this channel. And many, most people put uh, completed perfect uh, routines or or, or ways to do something. They would even go through step by step, but nobody talks about um, you might fall or this might happen or I couldn't do this. And I tried these things. Yeah, the real stuff, right? Because behind Mm -hmm. every pole dancing pose is hours of falling or <laughs> slipping <laughs> bruises bruises everywhere yeah. trying wrecking your brain you know kind of like filming yourself and looking at what you've done wrong and it's he made a very valid point so um yeah so i i, I look back at some of my videos and some of the funny things and there's there is a channel on instagram called pole lols pole l-o-l-s yeah. it's the most hilarious thing ever and i was like yeah i could you could do a combination of that like a funny moment and then how you fixed it yeah. which is what most people uh most i guess you know people are looking at and yeah so it is something that i, I will think about and have taken into account <laughs> it doesn't have to look it's not it doesn't have to be done perfectly i think it needs to be done in a way where it helps somebody because if the whole point is just doing something perfectly then well there's many others out there yeah, I had, a, I had a previous guest on who was trying mm. to put content out. It wasn't on YouTube, but she was doing, she was doing yeah. it on LinkedIn mostly. And she'd set a challenge. She's putting her content out every day and she was getting uh, small amounts of engagement. Yeah. Like, whatever. But it was consistent, you know, 50, okay. 50 likes or 50 okay. views or whatever, whatever the number was. I can't remember. Yeah. And then one day she put out a blooper reel. So she put out all this content and she had this stash of blooper content. Yeah. And she said she kind of put it out one day. I, th- I think it was like semi a joke, semi she just didn't have anything to say that day. It's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And she puts out this blooper reel. Yeah. And she said that she got like 10,000 views or whatever the metric was. And she said, it's just incredible. Like you, you put out all this thought provoking, insightful, researched, um, deep content that you really work hard on every day. <laughs> and then you put out, a video of 30 seconds where you can't get your words out or you're stumbling or whatever it just it just doesn't make sense but I guess to your point earlier right about emotive it's it's how people relate to that it's it's we all do it so yeah exactly exactly right actually you did something so for one of my videos for work for the office um when i was still in singapore we had to do some message to the team because it was covid we're not allowed to gather in large groups in singapore and i had to craft a message to a gratitude message to the team and it was my first time recording a video uh okay. and you had all these tips oh my god i took <laughs> an entire afternoon 
just like hi everyone and I was like oh my god crap you know and then just all these things so what Yuri did was not only did he do the actual video for me which everyone was like it was really funny one of the the, the one of the heads in in management was like your video should be like Tremaine and everyone was like Tremaine seriously you've just kind of like you've set the bar too high it's like you well you can hire my boyfriend to do this for you anyway that aside he also did the blooper reel <laughs> The blooper reel got more engagement and laughs from everybody yeah. than the actual reel. Because you're struggling, right? You can see like, oh, crap. And then, and then all these moments. Yep. And then you're swearing and you're like, oh, scrap that. You know, like, it's just, yeah, it's so much more relatable. And then the final message comes and then it becomes a little bit of a nice ending, a wrap up to this took me four hours, guys. So if you're struggling yeah, yeah. with just speaking in real life in a presentation, I think it's okay. And you know, your team probably yeah. liked you even more for that because it shows you relatable, not, you know, the scary boss lady who they can't <laughs> talk to. It shows you're approachable, right? It shows you're one of them, I suppose. Yeah. And then, you know, we make mistakes too. A lot of them yes. actually. Yeah. <laughs> more, more probably. <laughs> Tremaine, tell me something about you that not many people know. So when I read your questions, this was the one of the first, actually one of the questions that was easiest for me to think about. And not many people knew that I actually did medicine first year when I was at university. Did you? I was, yeah, I was a bit of a, I wasn't a geek. I'm still a bit of a geek in some things, but uh, I was very focused on wanting to be there. You know, I don't know if you know a little bit about the whole Asian culture. They were all very good in math and science and our accountants and lawyers. And I kind of made myself fall into that. The funniest thing is, my mother never uh, forced that upon me, neither did my dad. Actually, nobody did. I just kind of went like, I am that golden child and I want to be that golden child. Okay. Spotlight, maybe. I have no idea. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's like, seriously. So I opted for, um, so I went to first year medicine in the University of New South Wales. I, uh, yeah. Did I, you I want mean, to be a I, doctor? I was going to be an, an eye surgeon, specifically. Oh, yeah, so oh, okay. it was a it was a rude awakening of where my priorities were and what I really liked in my life and what I really wanted to do. Because in Singapore, I mean, to be fair, I did go to a very strict school and my parents set me up for success. I mean, my mom loved her to bits. She gave me all the tools and resources to succeed in whatever I wanted to do. Um, mm. So I actually went to a very strict school. I had pretty decent grades and I did really well in my studies. You know, kind of like advanced mathematics, you know, chemistry biology i was i was i was good at it. physics was my worst though but then again it's, i feel it's a more boy subject but whatever <laughs> so i opted to do so in most medicine degrees you have to do general medicine for first year so everything from biology physics chemistry um pathology and dissection and all these things so the first year is the models the models pretty same until you get i think well back then when i was studying it then you have one or two classes where you then select what you want to focus on and then they'll give you those relevant classes. Right. So when I so my main thing was optometry first because you need to do, same with medicine, you do four years and you do one year in the clinic or in an optometry and then you go on to do other things. Oh my God, like, you know, dissecting an eyeball, well, not even a human one, this was, I think it was a fish or frogs. I think it was a fish. It's really not the best. <laughs> And pathology and is, that, is, that why, is that why you stopped doing it? Well, there was one, but oh my God, I've told you this experience. So pathology class is, 
I don't because the thing about medicine is not like most degrees you can't really choose your timetable there's a set path you have to go right because right. you need to study okay. all these things so one of the things in pathology was I remember the, if it's your first time they will warn you preferably don't uh, come with a full stomach and I was like you gotta be kidding me so I remember going to class and this class was about, oh, we have to lay out the organs in the way that it should be laid out. And we usually use pigs or sheep's organs because they're the closest. And I remember one kid running out, just throwing up because the smell was just, oh, it was just awful. <laughs> then there was another class where we have to learn how the lungs work. Oh, and the, so you laid out the lungs, right? And then they give you the straw and I was like, you're kidding. They're like, you have up. to blow into the lungs to see how it expands and then take the straw to see how it falls. And I was like, and then they go, be careful. Don't suck, suck it. In. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> Somebody did and gagged. Oh, and that's then, disgusting. Oh, that, yeah, no. But that was not why I actually, I really did enjoy anatomy and some of the classes, but I genuinely was not interested in in doing that. You know, I wanted to go to the I wanted to go to the pool hall and drink beer with my friends and play pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I wasn't having a good time. It was very competitive, and statistics will show you that the average medicine first year, more than fifty percent will either fail or not finish their classes and be kicked out. But just it's it's really tough. Um, not I mean the study aside, the the pressure because you, you kind of need to get it right. You know you do, you, you can't really play with the grades that way. You yeah. know it's it's yeah, really yeah. so anyone in the in the nurse and doctor trade like utmost respect. So I decided that you know I don't think I'm the best. I don't think I'm suited for this, and I need to know when I'm sucking at something. So I I decided to withdraw. Um, half almost I think in so first year I think in mid mid second term so term one term two so basically six months six months yeah and the second term started i was like listen i'm failing my subjects because so i'm not going to classes because i hate it i just want to go you know have fun so i switched degrees uh, and my mom i remember i will not forget this i was so terrified of calling her because medicine is a very expensive study top of the books and, and all these things i was like crap and she i remember she started laughing and i was like i don't know how this is funny but she told me, which was like, I kind of expected it, like a little bit. And I was like, oh, thanks, mom. She's like, but you gotta, you had to figure it out yourself. I, yes. If I told you not to, you would probably go do it just because. But then in yeah. the end, you will not enjoy and you will not find what, what you really wanted to do. So that was a learning. And I was so grateful that she didn't kind of rain all hell on me and went all Asian mom on me, you know, kind of. I know it's a stereotype, but it does happen. <laughs> Luckily, not with me. And so I was, and then I was like, okay. So then I, then I switched degrees and it was painful because I couldn't bring over any credits. I had to restart in the half year, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be behind, you know, everybody. But it wasn't too bad and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. What did you change to? So I did, uh, I did a double degree again, overachiever. <laughs> I did Bachelor of Arts and Bachelor of Commerce at the same time. So for five years, uh, I was in university and every course I took uh, went towards my credits. So where some people, you could fail something or you have gen eds, as they call it, general education, where you can have fun fun kind of classes. I had no fun classes. All my classes contributed to my credit rating and to my degree. But I did that for two reasons. One, well, I wanted two degrees because I want I really enjoyed the art side of things and the commerce because, you know, it's marketing and it's easy <laughs> that's where all the yeah, kids yeah. were and that's where the kids hang out right 
but also I, I didn't want to be behind and I wanted to make sure that I stayed on course and stayed focused and that was the way to do it so and that's what I did was it tough was it tough <laughs> mate I was it tough making that decision to not be a doctor yeah you know it was more about your ego and kind of realize you you messed up and you thought you were this thing and you're not it's yeah. uh it's, yeah it's a bit of a thing and kind of like you know everyone would go like which is probably also why I didn't really talk about it but I, I it's one of those things where I go yeah I'm not going to be that doctor I'm, I'm I'm smart but I'm not that smart and I don't have the resilience or tenacity to go and save lives you know and yeah and so be it right and I think presu- that- <laughs> presumably you'd assumed beforehand that you were going to be a doctor that you were going to go on this journey do your 100%. course yeah yeah working so like and because even in optometry you get clinic hours at the at the at the optometry so it's an on-site university and I remember it was like oh eight o'clock and I oh it was just this is the setup for how you're going to be if you were in that trade up until you get to a certain point where you're a consultant or specialist mm. you're going to have to go through the system and it's not easy so I have friends who did complete it and kudos to them but I looked at them and I was like I I know I have different priorities and I don't think I have that resilience. Even if I did finish it, I probably wouldn't really want to become a doctor because what it needs is a very different character, you know, and, and it's uh, it's not, yeah, it's not easy. And I remember my friends who did finish, who did go on to do their residency and stuff and how how much it takes for them when you're in an emergency room and you see certain things like the trauma and psychological, emotional journey you go through, you got to be pretty strong, man, yeah. to go through that. And I was like, I'm not built for that. So and no that's regrets, okay. No regrets then? No, no regrets at all. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. I think you've got to be a special kind of person to 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 do. I mean, my aunt's a nurse and I have nothing oh, but respect yeah, yeah. for her. Like, I just, yeah, I'm not squeamish, but just... I think seeing that day after day after day after day, it really must take its toll. Yeah. But on that note, I'm going to, um, if you if you know, do you know this a comedian or stand comedian called Adam K? Yes. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was a doctor. He was. Yeah. 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 And he wrote this book, uh, This Is Going To Hurt. Yeah. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite books and it's, uh, it, I mean, aside from the studying part where he talked about and there's no time to do anything, it's really <laughs> true to form. And it's, I mean, it's a light reconsidering the situation, but really true to form. And anybody that, you know, I mean, I know that when you arrive at a doctor's office or an emergency room, you're a bit frustrated and no one's paying attention. But if you read the book, you kind of see the other side and I encourage people. It's a really nice, funny read, but it talks okay. about really serious things about the health system and, and why it's also hard to get professionals in there because it's not an easy job. Like it really, no. yeah, it takes all of you a hundred, two hundred percent, even you know, you have to double yeah. give yourself, and then you know, over time and all these things, it's really, uh, yeah, it's something, really is. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it is something. I'll uh, I'll check that out. It sounds like I, I've yeah, not read it, but I've seen it definitely. Hurt. Yeah, very right. good book. Highly recommended. So it sounds to me like that was one of the a, quite a pivotal moment in your life, changing your degree. Was it? Was it one of the most pivotal moments in your life? No, yeah, one of the most pivotal moments in my life was when I got divorced. Uh, no. How long was that? Ten? No, eight, nine years ago now. 
Okay. I mean, I'm not that old. <laughs> or I don't look that old. It's the Asian genes, I promise you. <laughs> and I remember everything I thought I knew about love, about relationship, about myself, about life, about friends. It just kind of all fell apart, you know, without going into that kind of details. But I think it's one of those things where, because I was in a very long-term relationship for a very long time and I was much younger and I you know, you kind of think that you went on this journey thinking this is what you want because yeah. of a lot of influences. But at the end of it, you don't you don't know if it is anymore because how come the other person isn't you know playing ball with you and stuff like that? And you know, he was much older. But I, it was also one of those things where you know you you kind of it was a life lessons, and there are many people who get married young and do stay married and all these things and that's wonderful but I, I do think there's also a few people who kind of hit that hit that point where they get divorced and then they spiral and all these things and it was a pivotal moment because I did do some of that spiraling and and uh, learning about myself learning about life and like you know what is about and how and, and how to manage that feeling it was yeah. horrible but also I think it molds you into a different kind of person and one of the things I really wanted to do uh, eventually is actually go into groups. I mean, I really started doing this. So like not female mentorship, that's a very bad way, but kind of like uh, really helping. doesn't have to be female, like, you know, like I guess teaching is not the right way, Men- mentor or, or like sharing, kind of being a, in, a, in a community where you can share stories and learnings to younger girls and younger boys who are thinking of, you know, like getting married or things like that. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big commitment and you'll be faced with lots of things that are very challenging and very, I don't know, like you just, you would never have considered it, you know? Um, yeah. And, and not only that, but after it, right. When you go through that process, you know, people are like, Oh, drink, are oh, you going to be okay? And also advice to friends who are giving advice to this person going like, to be fair, they probably will be okay in like, I don't know, six months or three months or whatever it is. But it right now, it's not looking okay. And you should stop saying that. It's not, yeah. it's not good. They're not going to, they're not going to be okay, you know, and it forces lots of truths, right, to be told. And in a very Asian community or, or like in Singapore and stuff, you know, it can be quite taboo and people might not understand and they brush it under, they go, or what did you do? Or, you know, and people care more about what happened versus how to help you. Yeah. Um, so it was one of the things I was quite passionate about. And I thought about writing, a, again, one of these things that you start and then you don't finish. <laughs> I started writing about my experiences and I tried to make it funny. So I wanted to name it like 50 Shades of Nay. <laughs> so <laughs> the 50 things that happened after my divorce and how, no, like everything, including dating, whatever, like fun stuff I tried or stupid things I did. As a yeah. kind of like lighthearted read for 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 both for women, men, you know, whatever to kind of go like, you know, it it's gonna be tough, and no, I'm not gonna lie, it was it was. Can I swear? It was yeah. Shit, blew me out later, but it was shit, and it is okay to think that it is crap, and you know, it's it will eventually be okay, yeah, but you have to go through this journey. Some people don't make it out, mm. so it's one of those things, and it was a, a lots of life learnings and kind of being able to understand what you want and what you don't want. Sometimes we get caught up in lots of emotions. Oh, it's okay. You settle, but you, you settle for certain things, but certain things you shouldn't settle for. And that was a very big, yeah, awakening in my life. You mean, you mean in a compromised kind of way? Yeah. Yeah. Because, and you know, I mean, not to turn it into a relationship kind of like advice session, but I think like even as friends, 
or, or family, right? There are things you compromise on, but people, on one hand, some people overdo it. They just kind of go into this thing and they do everything what the other person wants or they forget about themselves. Then you have the other yeah. end who go like, I don't want to change myself. You know, my partner should love me for what I am. I go, we're not saying that they don't, but you know, like at home when you live with your parents or when you live with your housemate, you adjust certain things because yeah. you're two individuals trying to create something together. There is no way you can come into this being exactly who you are and staying who you are and together. Something's got to give. Mm. And that's just the reality in work, in friendship, in your family relationships, with your own sister, your own brother. You know, it it happens. And and I think one of, it's one of those things that compromise is, is, is very easily um, uh, misstrewed as changing who you are. You're not changing who you are. You're not, you know, yeah. you're just adapting and trying to, reach a common ground between you and the other person who has different, sometimes have a different perspective on something. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Do you, do you yeah. look back on it now? I mean, I'm sure it was horrible at the time, but do you look back on it now as a positive thing? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It's funny. Uh, in hindsight, everything in hindsight is 2020. Um, at yeah. the same time, you know, when we go through that process, you know, the whole grief steps thing, it's, it really rings true that, you start with all these negativity and oh my god, I hate this person, I hate that. Why did this happen to me? And also victimization and et cetera, et cetera. Then it gets to a point where you look back and you do remember good things and the great yeah. things you learn from it. And I think it's very um powerful for you as a person to be able to look back and be like, you know what, that was not okay and that was not nice and that was not fun. But it's fine. I, you know, am I going to, you 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 can't you don't have to be okay with that period. It's okay to not be okay with that, what happened with you. Yeah. You know, like in any traumatic life event, people have to stop. I feel people have to stop assuming, are you okay with it? And I'll go, I probably will never be okay. I think that was shitty, but I'm okay. I've moved on. I'm okay with moving on. Be like, that was then. And and I, I moved past it, you know, and there are certain things you need to be more aware of. I think, and so part of that looking back is also realizing, you know what, even if I did fight for it and try to make it work, it probably would not. So better no. then than now, you know? Yeah. Mm. And you, you're probably the person you are today because of that experience. Exactly. Yeah. That's Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's all for the, I mean, based on what my friends tell me, that I'm definitely much better for it now. And, uh, yeah, and, and as a person, you know, I think you... you you have to see that. And I think many more people should be able to also be aware of what's not working for them in their lives and say no, even if it's not good or not not fun or doesn't feel good or painful. Because when you say no now, then you can move on to saying yes to many other things that, you know, support you in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. In the topic of supporting you and what you're doing, is there a tiny habit or practice that has had a positive impact on your life or your work? Yep. Yoga. Okay. Very cliche. Let me clarify. <laughs> so <laughs> when I went through this, a very insane period of my life, uh, you know, when, as I was growing up or even as a, as a young adult yoga, ah, oh, you sit there, do nothing, meditate. Oh, it's so boring. But then I met a bunch of people when I was in Indonesia and they're like, just come for a class. I mean, what's, what's the harm, you know? So I went for a yoga class and it was completely not what I thought it was. It is a yoga practice, but it was more, the teacher was more about, yeah, we go through poses and you can do a pose, but it's more about how you feel in that pose. Like, you know, how did you get there? 
if you keep pegging things like do this pose, do a tree pose, do whatever, right? You're so focused on getting there, but you forget about how you got there. Mm-hmm. So through kind of yoga, and when you're in yoga class, I don't know if you've taken a yoga class before. It doesn't have to be very intense, right? But and 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 there are many different types. But in general, the classes that uh, require you to move into a pose or move with the teacher. If you think about anything else other than what you're doing on the mat, you can't do it. You cannot no. focus. So it told me how to refocus my thoughts and just kind of drown everything out and just be really focused on doing one thing at a time. And that whole thing in itself actually is like meditation, whereas I can't meditate. You ask me to sit still for 20 minutes, I'm going to pull my hair out. So mm-hmm. no. But doing an activity that trains your mind to be focused and to be calm to go through it step by step to get to that point. And sometimes you don't get there. Some days are good. Some days are bad. Some days you can do a handstand. Some days you fall over just trying to touch your toes. <laughs> so, and that's what they promote. So that's what I love about, uh, what about when I picked up yoga or maybe my teachers just had the right form of yoga they were teaching that related to me. Yeah. So it really helped me with my thinking. And I used to do a hot yoga three, four times a week before I go to work. So at six, seven in the morning, I'd go to class. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was a discipline and it really helped me in my day. And, you know, I'm not really phased by kind of like clients being clients or like people freaking out about something going wrong. Like, okay, you're freaking out and then what? You just kind of, you just, you just kind of freaked out. You're so emotional, but there is literally nothing you can do about this situation right now. And why don't we just sit down and think about what really is the problem? So it really helped me with even as a as a team leader as a, as a as a as a you know I guess as a as a boss of the account or whatever, it really helped me with that process applying that same principles of reframing your mind, kind of take a deep breath and be focused on what really is the problem you're trying to solve and what are the steps to get there, and being okay with okay this might not work but then let's try something else, and kind of having that is really was a really, really um, great practice because in social media marketing, a lot of times things happen and very quickly and you don't really have time to react, but you need yeah. to take the time to react. So yeah, that was one thing. It's not for everyone, but it really, really worked for me and I still practice it today. So It's funny because med- so when I ask that question, meditation yeah. comes up a lot and... Mm. But it comes up in various forms. So, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, for me, I can't sit still and, and meditate. It's just, yeah. just, I couldn't think of anything worse. But for me, exactly. my meditation is swimming or running. And it's I get in that meditative state. Correct. And I've had, I've had lots of guests on in the past to uh, find a different way of meditating. But it's interesting because, like I said, meditation comes up a lot. But people have this assumption of what meditation is but it's amazing Mm. how many people come up with a different style of meditation or a different discipline or a different way of doing it so i yoga i have tried it actually but (laughs) i've never really quite got into it my balance isn't very good and my core is not very good and (laughs) i should probably commit to doing it for a bit longer probably is is it a mental thing or a physical thing or equal amounts of both it's equal amounts of both, but what I would say to manage that is sometimes you need to find the right teacher or the right school or the right environment mm-hmm. that would help you with that. Because I did find that once I like that process, that I've tried several things and several people and who do I eventually choose that I like to practice with? Because 
on the yoga mat for most of the styles, there's also the different styles, you need mm-hmm. a bit of a calm mind to just kind of follow the instructions, even if it's a stretch class or it's a hatha class, kind of one of those where it's a bit more uh, not as intense as a vinyasa, which is like a flow and high intensity kind of class. You kind of right. need to be focused still. So what most times I tell people, go for a shorter class because there are classes that are 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Try something online because you can switch it off whenever you want and see kind of what fits. And, you know, in the end, if you tried it, maybe it doesn't work. But the fact that you have tried it means you see there's value in it, right? I do. And I would like to do... So I do a bit of Pilates every now and again. Mm. And... Even that I kind of dip in and out of, but flexibility is a big thing for me. As, as I'm yeah. as I'm getting older, yeah. my flexibility is is not as good as it was, yeah. and it's just silly little things like you know, getting out of bed or picking my children up or just yeah, it's having that thing that you get aware of as you get older that you want to sort of stay a bit stronger and and the rest of it. So I think I don't know maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it another go. Maybe I'll sign up for yoga. See what happens. Yeah, why not? And you know and what? And how, just... how how often are you going? Um, so now, so now I focus a lot on on pole dancing because I'm trying to build something. But uh, I do at least, I guess, um, twice a week. But I do online classes, so I can, and I have online uh, okay. recordings that I use. So it's a bit more my time, and that's the thing. You you need to be in that mindset because if you kind of feel like, oh shit, I have to get a class or I have to rush to this, then you're not going to feel that either. Yeah. You know, so you really need to be in the day, whether it's in the afternoon or in the morning, for example, for me, and, and really be in that time where you can give that space and that activity your full attention. Then you kind of see, well, maybe it's for you or, for, or, or not. And that's, yeah, and that's kind of one of those things that uh, that yoga needs because if you're not focused, honestly, the moment you start moving, you feel like it's a drag and you feel stiff. Yeah. You feel you can't move into things because your your mind is still, as they say, outside the mat. So you realize when they go, you know, leave everything outside the mat, you're on the mat. You just focus on being on the mat. And that's yep. it. Yeah. <laughs> I could I just go back to you said about pole dancing. Yeah. I mean, in my head, I can't even comprehend the level of strength and stuff that you <laughs> might need to be to, to do that. that that's mm. a whole different ball game, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yoga actually also helps because it works on your core instability. Pole dancing is, uh, and again, pole dancing also has many forms. Um, I think, yes, it did have lots of beginnings in the strip clubs and all the rest. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to mention Might as well say that. it. <laughs> I might as well say it. And that's fine, you know. And uh, I mean, when I was younger and moving to Australia, strip clubs were a thing. And you know, girls also go to strip clubs. Not so much for the stripping, but, you know, it's a club. Yeah. Um, but in general, I think it's, uh, it's quite empowering. And especially, okay. So the so dancing part and there's like the whole strength and tricks part. Now the yeah. tricks part, yeah, you kind of need some solid foundation before you get to being pretty decent. The dancing part, however, anybody can do. And and I encourage also women to, yeah, they're like, oh, but you know, it's all these moves. I don't know if I can. I'm like, well, have you tried? I mean, literally, if this setting was in the club on a Friday night and you've had like five tequilas, I guarantee <laughs> you'll be on that pole. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's it's one of the, like you know give it a go and you feel so liberated and I and I think it's a really good exercise for women to tap into their own to be more um, sexuality is a very bad word and it's not like that it's more like a being able to be ex, ex, sorry like a confidence yes 
Exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, know your body and, you know, which is why when I, I mean, I don't teach, but when I do help out with some like hen's nights sessions, I'm like, I'm going to show you a move. This is called whatever, body roll, like hip rolls, and I'm going to show you how it's done. But you do how you think you interpret it. This is not for me to judge whether you're doing it my way or you look like me or the, the next teacher, but it's for you to feel good about yourself. Yeah. Remember, this class is about you. So take it however you want. You want to wear high heels? Yeah, you can. You don't want to? That's fine. You know, you don't want to wear something that's skimpy. You want to wear it? That's also fine. You know, t-shirt and shorts. I mean, to me, it's like it's really about feeling good about your body and 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 moving to music, you know, to your own beat. And uh, yeah. it's it's very empowering, I think, and it really gives women that boost of confidence and anybody any anybody guys included shape I was gonna size ask, i was gonna ask have you do you men ever do it oh 100 i mean okay aside from people who are gay or you see some of this there's lots of really great transvestite shows who are in you know in in, in, in kind of costume and stuff but men do do it but they're more into the than the strength stuff you know they want to yeah. know how to do flag or you know <laughs> air walks and stuff like that and they can do it like easily yeah so it's annoying uh, somebody brought their girlfriend the boyfriend sorry to class once and he was like oh how'd you do the flag and i was like well this is how you do it and he was like didn't like a second i was like god damn it like it took me like you know a, a while but yeah yeah so they have different preferences but uh yeah and they have the 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 bit uh, the i guess the advantage of having a little bit more upper body strength um than women naturally would so for them to get to certain things it's a lot faster mm. yeah but it's a sport for all and more and more men are doing the whole tricks and strength thing because you know it, it can be it's like basically watching like a Cirque du Soleil situation. Yeah, yeah it's, it's super cool. It's good for Instagram. But, um, yeah, that too. But <laughs> <laughs> You want to go viral? Like, I mean, this, this is one way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Let's talk about superpowers. Mm. I believe everyone has a superpower or at least one of some description. What would you say is yours? I would say mine is a lot to do with how I have the ability to like, um, okay, to put it very layman or very kind of cliches like i think i have the ability to light up a room so like at a party or at work uh in a lot of environments i am able to kind of bring out sparking people i have the energy and i can kind of connect lots of people make them laugh and do those things i feel like i, I do have that in me and it's something that i've also heard people tell me that i have that it's really nice to have me somewhere you know like we're speaking or or, or at a party or at, at in, in teams or organizing something i, you I and, see that you and you and yuri must be the first two on on the invite <laughs> list for most parties right i think yuri more he's a little bit more right you know like out there out there well no the both of both i mean both of you i guess <laughs> if you're worried about your dinner party being a bit dull you two you two are first on the scene i, I reckon uh, there's there's never a dull day in the household. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it's a bit like that, and maybe that's kind of also why we feed off that that vibe. You know, it's kind of nice that some when we when we do go and the two of us can just hang out. You know, and it's, it's a blast because you mm. know it's it's we keep each other entertained. I guess in that sense, and we find lots of things to do. And when you have a few drinks, I'm like, everything's a great idea. Let's go do that. Another shot. Sure. Why not? You know, <laughs> like, let's go to this place. I'm like, yeah, okay. Let's check out this thing. Right. So I, I think that because of our energy and I kind of go, yeah, why not? You know, it really brings something 
to to the table or to an otherwise boring place or otherwise yeah. boring conversation. And I think the best part about that is when that happens, it also brings out that part in other people because sometimes people are a bit shy or a bit, you know, kind of not so sure if they should be yeah, saying yeah. these things because I said it, someone would be like, and then people would just follow and then it becomes a catalyst. Yeah. Yes. I think so. Do you know, I, I, that your, your episode, I think 38 or 39, I could lose yeah. count, but I've not heard that superpower before, but actually oh, I think it's a really cool. good superpower. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, What's your superpower? Be, oh, I would say... Oh, you really put me on the spot now. <laughs> oh, sorry. My superpower, I guess, is... Uh, do you know what? I have a superpower that is probably equally a, uh, a toxic trait as well. Mm. Interesting. I have, this, I have a kind of belief that I can do anything. Okay. Mm. And the downside of that is I try to do everything. Uh, and I look at a lot of stuff and I think I could do that. So I'll watch some YouTube video of, I don't know, some guy running across the country or building something. Or yeah. And in my in, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. And I could like, sort of feel my wife's eyes burning into me <laughs> on the side of the sofa going, <laughs> what the bloody hell are you talking about? She's um, like, oh, he's at it again. Yeah. And it's so my my yeah I would say my superpower is like a kind of a belief system, okay. But it's also a negative sometimes because it I, could backfire. I, I yeah, bit. I didn't want to go yeah. and do it, and I just yeah. I want to do everything. But I have a determination. Like I, if if I say I'm going to do something or I put my mind to something, I will achieve it. Like so, last year I rode from Lands End to John O'Groats on my bike, mm-hmm. and if you That's ask anyone far. who knows me, they'd be like. No, I don't think so. I don't think that's going to happen. But even though it nearly killed me and it put my body into a terrible state that I've probably still not fully recovered from and mental state probably for that matter, there's no way I wasn't doing it. And I finished it. And yeah, willpower and determination. But Well, we all need a bit of that inspiration sometimes. We do. Yeah. We do. Like the word impossible already has the word possible in there. So you know what? It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Let's talk about soapboxes then. What topic Ooh. is guaranteed to get you on your soapbox? Mm, soapbox, you mean like, uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming because we don't really use that term here. So like TV box or? No. Like, so as in like, like what, what subject really riles you up and gets oh. you to the point where you you really have to vent about it or? Share oh your opinion. Um, I mean, it, it changes a little bit time to time, but right now it's that whole feminist culture thing or whatever that is or what it has become. Okay. I cannot stand all of those because there's many trains, right? There's the fact that like there's the whole like, oh, we uh, we deserve equal pay and all these things. I'm just like, no, you don't. Like, I mean, sometimes you're not as good at a job. You want equal opportunity. That's very different. Yeah. Or this whole like men are awful men are you know blaming everything the self-victimization from the from that feminist again they they attribute everything back to feminist what what else kind of we deserve the best or like this entitlement of of women oh god i hate that like it it just makes all of all of us uh all the rest of us who are kind of normal i would i would say i'm I'm assuming that all of us are much normal just put it in a bad place but i think the number one thing that really in line with this whole being feminist or female thing is 
so in Asia, there's this whole perception about Asian girls getting with uh, like white men. Okay. And there's a whole, it used to be a whole, I wouldn't say trend, I would say like it's a trending topic. They used to call them SPGs, Sarong Party Girls, which means girls who go out there to seek white men specifically to kind of get out of that, you know, whatever situation they're in because they have more money, like expats have more money, etc. Okay. I hate that. And oh my Lord, you know, I've seen so many people kind of um, judge me and say really mean things and not very nice things about me or to me about these things because there, I mean, look, there are people who are not in such a great place and I'm sure there are even arranged marriages that happen that way and I feel so bad for them. But this whole topic about how we actively seek men of such standing or of such skin color or origin to save us and to do, I'm just like, oh, that's so insulting. And I hate that they think every Asian girl is like that. And that happens everywhere, doesn't it? Yeah, it happens everywhere. But I think maybe because in Asia, there's more Asian girls, probably that it becomes such a big thing. And what I even most hate about that is some girls do perpetuate that behavior. They act like those kind of girls who are, you know, they, they, they play into that per, that that kind of persona. Mm. And I'm just like, you are perpetuating this whole image or perception of, of, of Asian girls, ori- oriental, I guess you would say in some places. <laughs> Not such a good word, but you know, Asian Chinese looking girls or Asian looking girls from Southeast Asia, they perpetuate that behavior. And then we are all judged in general. And then I judge those men and other people who, who judge us like that. And I'm just like, same for Yuri, right? For example, he lived in China for a long time. He only dated Chinese girls. I'm like, well, he lived in China. I lived in Australia. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like the whole thing is so, I really hate that, that whole generalization of like, you know, these things that really rouse me up. And then it just, God, I could go on for ages. And, you know, the whole, yeah, the whole thing, oh, you know, you're probably not as smart and da da da. And, you know, you don't have any money. And so you seek after these men, you know, kind of thing. And then, it's really funny because Yuri, if Yuri was in this in the conversation, he would say things like, "Well, actually, she's the one with the job, and I'm the one who's who's the innovation." And then I was like, "Actually, yeah, that's yeah. true. I'm the one with the proper job. So, what does this make us? You know?" <laughs> you think social media has sort of perpetuated that generalization? Oh, yeah, it is, and it's like I said, it's my it's my Achilles heel. But at the same time, I really love what it can bring so okay then going back to this whole motion about feminist movement and like just women in general the fact that we can have many communities or women who are trying to help those more women in need and stuff can also survive quite easily without like big marketing budgets is because of social media yeah. you know and all these things where uh, lots of little social initiatives whether it's environmental or helping a worthy cause or looking for donations and all these things it was also all perpetuated easier by social media. So, you know, it's kind of one of those things, right? And I think it's become basically a channel where, you know, you have to decide what you want to use it for mm-hmm. as a person and as a brand and whether, and then as a person, you make conscious decisions on what you what you personally are going to do and stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. So feminist okay. topics or feminine, fe- female-related kind of like generalizations. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> All right, we'll move on so you don't get too angry. Yeah. Tell me about the best piece of advice you've heard. That's a tough one. 
I get, I mean, not that I have many pieces of advice that's given to me, but I think I kind of learn bits and pieces from work and from life. But if I had to pick one that's kind of, you can go across both is, uh, I don't remember who told me this, probably something I read on Pinterest as well. But, you know, when they say worrying is a waste of your emotions. And it's so, it's very simple. But it is, it is something that comes up at work or at home. Yes. Because we say we worry about our parents' health. We worry about, you know, my, our next increment. We worry about the recession. We worry about... Most of the time, the, when we worry about something, it's not something we can control. That's why we worry. Yeah. But then we realize, because you're worried, you focus so much on that worry, you also forget what you can do about it. Yeah. For example, the parents thing, right? Okay, yeah, parents are getting old or maybe somebody's sick. Then you go, well, I can't change that but i can change how i feel so i can feel better by spending more time with them you know the work thing is the same thing right so whether it's a contract renewal or a recession or there's layoffs well i can't change if they're going to lay me off but what i change now is my attitude so maybe to make myself feel better i can start some active job search or reconnect with people or you know start looking at things you know i think in you know, my my kids and the thing is that we don't have kids so I can never relate to being a parent, but, you know, I know my sister has four kids. Mm. So she sometimes talks about how she worries about, you know, one of them is doing this. And I'm like, well, yes, you cannot control what she's going to become as an adult to, to a lot of extent, but you can control it by setting her up now. So, you know, how you interact with her, what you expose her to, how much time you spend with her. You can change that now. Why are you worrying about something that's going to happen, especially in her case, like 10 years time, but you can do this in the next 10 minutes. Yes. You know, perspective. So worrying is a waste of emotion. And if you realize that, you go, okay, well, then I don't want to waste my time. So what can I do better with that to then change how I feel? So Is that, just to play yeah. devil's advocate a little bit, is that easier said <laughs> than done in the moment? Always. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Usually I allow myself a couple of minutes or even, I don't know how long, like maybe just the day to worry and just kind of vent. Yeah. And I'd be like, all right, Tremaine is enough. It's enough. You gotta just and move forward. And that's also what I tell, say, you know, like, you know, sometimes without partners or, you know, whether it's a wife or a, a husband or a, a long term partner or just a boyfriend or a girlfriend or your friends, mm. they also need to understand that I need this time to process this. Yes, I'm worried. I know I can't do anything, but stop telling me this. But I just need to process this for today. Can we just settle at that? Right. Yeah. So then once you set those boundaries and time is up, then you can go, okay. So, I've worried about it for a day. I've even slept on it or not because you couldn't sleep. And then what? And then you realize you spent a whole day doing nothing because you were worried about something that you can't even change. Yeah. And then that kind of sets in. So you definitely need time to process. And I think it's okay to freak out, to cry, even though sometimes things are very worrying and you, you get really emotionally worked up. Cry about it, scream about it, shout about it, call someone and rant about it. The one thing you shouldn't do is deny that feeling but d- deny that feeling or, or don't kind of like, you know, express it. And then realizing that worrying is a waste of your emotions and then, okay, well then what can I do now? Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think that's a very important, it was quite a, yeah, it was one of those things that in the moment you don't realize, but once you sit down you kind of finish your whole being tantrum and you go, okay, well then you want to spend another two days doing this or what are we going to do about this? I, right. feel, I feel like, I feel like that comes from, or it gets easier as you get older, a bit more wisdom, a yeah. bit more experience. Yes, I think that's, that's correct, actually. You're right. Yeah. It, it does. Uh, and yeah, and it's, yeah, it does. For sure. Hmm. 
It's a good point. I think I never thought about that when I was younger. But then again, our concerns were, oh, I want to finish my degree, get a job, have enough money to go out, drink, party. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The world was a different place then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, I remember when social media was in the around yet and there was no advertising on social media. Mm. And I remember I refused to get on Facebook for a long time. I was like, I refuse to do this. I don't want to publicize my life for the rest of the world. Like, what is this? You know? Um, <laughs> yeah, we lived in a different time. And we and you know what? It's really funny. So talking about that as well is our worries are very different because we're also not inundated by content and lots of information. Yes. And that is horrible because sometimes it really doesn't help with, you know, processing also what you feel and, you know, with kids. And so obviously, I don't know, as I say, I don't have children, but I worry about my nieces and my nephew, you know, what they are exposed mm. to when they go to school. Because when they go to school, other kids might have access to these YouTube touch points that they don't get at home. But then you can't stop that interaction, right? And then what are you going to do? So oh, before, just... when we were growing up, we had only our parents, yeah. older siblings, magazines, maybe TV. And there wasn't even streaming TV. And then that's it on news, like like chat, like news with newspapers or magazines. Yeah, trash magazines, whatever, right? But you don't have TikTok to go, or TikTok made you buy this or influencer. There was none of those things. Just funny, Tremaine. I have, so my <laughs> youngest daughter, she's yeah. currently two. She'll be three very soon. Oh, wonderful. And she watches a lot of YouTube. Mm-hmm. And the way, she, the way she navigates around it is... It's kind of something else to watch. It's, it's quite incredible. But she now, we kind of picked it up at the weekend. She yeah. called, She's like, guys, it's everyone's guys. Hey, guys. <laughs> bye, guys. Hey, guys, can we do this? Like, hello, guys. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just the YouTubification of my daughter. She's turned into, like, a YouTube presenter. Because what they all oh say, right? Like, or every video, every video on YouTube is like, oh, hey, guys, this is what we're doing, guys. And this is what my daughter, she's, she's going to be like, she's going to be three. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, what, what is going on? <laughs> but, so, interesting. So my niece, or was it my nephew, started speaking with a really weird accent. And I was like, yeah. what have you been watching? It was just insane. It's like a weird Russian-American accent. Probably. And I was just like, dude, like what's going on? And then <laughs> the end. And it's just, it's a bit shocking. So I don't see them very, I mean, now that I've moved here, no, but before you see them every weekend and it seems like every weekend they have a new personality, clearly something yeah. they've watched or they've seen. Uh, it's just, it it's really funny, but so tiny, just a tiny bit disturbing and also a bit confronting. Be like, holy cow, you know? It, it's a real, it's a real thing, Tremaine, where like you, you're trying to, you're trying to balance out this whether or not you can let them have screen time and you know watch it because i mean yeah. like when i was a kid we used to have cartoons on us on in the morning right it was you know yep. you get up and you watch cartoons yep. and stuff yeah and i guess this is the modern day equivalent and trying to find that balance between letting How them watch too much it is you too know? much and it's i mean she'll sit there and she'll scroll 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 yeah. scroll scroll and it's i mean again I'm not a scientist and I'm an idiot. I don't know much about this stuff, but like the whole ADHD thing that's sort of cropping mm. in, like there's a lot of it about. Mm. I kind of wonder what effect this stuff has on, like what has on that in the future for her, where she's just scroll, two seconds, scroll, two seconds, scroll. It's like, just watch something. <laughs> just... You know, 
it's yeah so my niece um so my youngest niece is a little bit older than your than your 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 daughter uh she's turning four in march in march mm. and when this and this hap- this incident happened one two years ago and uh, she's quite close to me because but you know i was there the whole time that she was she was born and everything else and i i used to babysit them every saturday so uh right. she used to cuddle up with me on the bed and then i would give her x amount of screen time but after that she needs to eat and sleep and all the rest but there was one day i remember i sat there and she was like no i like i want to choose right and i was like okay well what do you want i'll type it out for you she goes to the speaker icon and she tells youtube what she wants to set what she <laughs> wants to watch and i was just like like how old are you like what is this so i texted my sister i was like your child is like not even three like how She's like, honestly, some days even you limit their screen time, they learn things so quickly. It's impossible to catch it. And I was, it was so shocking for me. And she used to do this trick on me, you know. She'd be like, oh, but I didn't see. And then she would, you know, that scrolling button? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'd yeah, rewind yeah. it. And then she, and yeah, I was like, she's do, just trying to prolong watch time. Yes, right? exactly. We, oh we'll say to God. them, once, we'll say to them, once that video is finished, it's bedtime or bath time, yeah. whatever, whatever. Whatever, yeah. Arbitrary thing it is. And they will. They get the little red, the red slider bar, and they'll <laughs> slide it long. And you look at it and you think, I swear there was only like three minutes to go. Yeah. So I was like, "Can you fix something else?" No. And he's like, "No, it's the same video." But yeah, it took us a while to let mine do that. It was. I was like, "That is so sneaky." And then she'd be like, mm-hmm. "No, I haven't watched it." And I was like, "You did." I was watching you watch it, and then she, yeah. and then she would try and. Oh my goodness! I, I tell you, it's just, it's a little bit scary. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you look at, I mean, I'm trying to take the good out of it. It's they learn so quick, and so you know, clearly they're very, very switched on. Mm-hmm. And if technology can be used to better enhance their learning skills, great, because then you know they're picking up fast, and you know they can, they, you know, they will excel, you know, kind of things. But the bad side is, to your point about ADHD and being so quick to switch out of things or change things just because they don't like it. What about the yeah. future? Are they going to just I switch jobs, switch university? I don't know, switch boyfriends, like girlfriends, whatever, and right? And that's the, that's the problem. We just don't know what the long-term impact is on this stuff. Yeah, we, and it we wouldn't be. know for a long time because they're the no. first generation yeah. to be born into it. Yeah, indeed. Talking of the future, <laughs> I'm segueing on nicely there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good if one. We, if, we speak, if we spoke again in 10 years' time, and you decided that it was had been a like um a successful decade. Mm-hmm. What would have happened? Ten years time, let me think. I would be almost fifty. Mm, I know I'm really my age, but whatever, it's fine. <laughs> you're a li- you're a little bit younger than me, Tremaine. So <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> I think hopefully I would have. I would like to think that I would have had the pole dancing and yoga thing going for me i would have loved to have a school of my own where it's part of i would like to have three three income streams a very stable day job where if it's to do marketing consulting or something still in the area of kind of like helping businesses grow and innovate and then the pole and yoga thing is 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 another thing maybe and maybe i've really finished that book (laughs) 50 shades of name (laughs) that would be successful (laughs) 10 years i can write uh, five chapter uh, five chapters a year it's doable i i'm i'm of the, i'm of the opinion that it's 
great that 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 is an answer right because i think if you'd asked most people mm. that question five years ago they would have, they wouldn't have said three income streams they would have said mm. uh, you know a job or or family or yeah so the fact that yeah. you can even have three income streams as an option i think it's really quite amazing i mean i love yeah. i love it i love the fact that you can have that those different projects going on in your life i think it's great yeah and it feels different parts of you, right? Like, you know, the whole work and businesses thing, there are many things you can't choose. Mm-hmm. And then with the pole and, and yoga thing, it's, you know, it's a lot of passion points and it comes from a different place and it feels a different part of you. And the yeah. book thing is also a different part, right? But I, I think that it's also, and if you take that into some people's lives where they can't really not have like a, a very concrete, like large paying job for example but i would hope that people would think about it as you need to do different things to fulfill your life and you're not just focused on that like you say that one job with that title with all these things because that you after after that ends you will find that you have nothing else in 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 around you that kind of fills your person and uh, i think that's what happens when some people retire right you know they kind of go well I don't know what to do and they kind of go a bit crazy because they haven't spent enough time understanding what else they'd like to do yeah um, which is terrible <laughs> and not, not only that but I, I think as you see now that there's lots of corporations who are laying off people who yeah if you'd have asked them last week probably thought they was you know in a job that they would have lasted for years and all exactly. of a sudden like oh my god what's going on it's... yeah yeah and then they and a lot of them kind of get into depression or have anxiety and it's it's awful and i mean it's terrible layoffs in, in general but mm. it's one of those things which is why i'd say you know again the netherlands culture or the central to i guess nordic uh, european cultures are very into um fueling your you as a person uh, versus yeah. fueling the job because that's why family is important personal hobbies are important uh you know yeah all those things is become a culture versus a company dna which is probably the perspective that you know we need to look into yeah Mm. good answer (laughs) thank you (laughs) you answer your last question now oh wonderful this question was asked so the last question is always asked by the previous guest and after we finish i'll ask you for a question for the next guest um the question for you is when were you most proud of yourself or someone else? Ooh, that's a very good one. It was a good question. I'd give you a bit of thinking time. Like when I read mm. it or when, when the person told me, I was like, oh, it's good. So I started reflecting on sort of myself and my family and, and that. And it's a nice mm. question to ask every mm. now and again because you just, it sort of gets you back in the moment and actually makes you pause and think about things which I'm not always very good at so yeah okay so I I think for me well there were kind of one one two moments but I think one of the moments I realized I I was I felt very proud of myself or how far I've come in general so after my divorce I I kind of came home with like nothing like you know I had exhausted all my life savings on on just moving I mean lots of lots of stuff but basically I came home to 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 nothing to my name I had no job Mm. you know and all these things and I had to go home to mom's which is kind of like you know it's one of those things crap I'm going home to mom's house right and from that moment so that was 2014 2014 so we're in 2023 it's about nine almost nine years nine years actually 
And in nine years, I've rebuilt my career. I've made a bit of money. I've I, I've kind of put savings back. I've managed to rebuild my life, craft new path for myself. Yeah, and 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 I think that's a that's a moment, and that's something I'm really proud of. And people, I, I think, and I obviously didn't do this alone. And and I and I have lots of friends. I can I would thank for my mom who was there, my my sisters who go. You can always come home. You know, don't forget that. Mm. And it's one of those things where you think, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And we should, and I, and some people tell me you should be because, you know, it's, you came from nothing. And in, in eight, nine years, you, you build your entire life because I, I had to fly home from the UK. So I know friends here. I know like kind of new friends here my entire, like 10 years before that was overseas. So I, I knew very little people here. I had no network. I had no connections. I had nothing. I don't even have, I didn't have money. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that was something that I'm most proud of. Do you know? Do you know? Listen to that. What What I like most about that, and yeah. this is in no way belittling what you've done, but it shows what you can achieve in nine years. And like nine years yes. sounds like a really, really long time. But it's it is and it isn't. It is and it isn't. <laughs> but it shows what you can really achieve if you set your mind to something for nine Correct. years. So. In that same token, I always say to people, and this goes through everything about uh, whether it's friendship or work or project or, you know, people or the relationship. Mm. I think most people want to do lots of things. Yes. But they don't, do you want it enough to go do something about it? Because pole dancing is a very good example, or even dancing, right? By the way, when mm -hmm. I was, a, before I was a dancer, I remember going to my first day at this dance school and the teacher told me, you have two left feet, you can't dance. And I was like, that's BS, right? So I kind of, and I went on this journey to kind of, you know, be better and, you know, to go for class and try to understand rhythm and all these things. So, and so a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, like, I wish I could do pole dancing. I wish I could. I was like, well, you can, you don't have to wish it. You just have to do it, you know? Yep. So it's how much you want to do it. And that that became something of, of what I also tell people when they ask me for advice or if they want to do something and I'd be like well until the time you want to commit to a certain time to be taught something I'm not going to do anything about it you're going to have to yeah. do something about it so it's really how much you want it and so yeah to your point don't worry I didn't it was I didn't think it was building but it's to your point yes how much do you want it and yes everybody has different strengths and different resources but if the mind okay imagine if you're trapped on an island and you need to survive it's very extreme but it's basically that right like how yeah, much yeah. do you want to survive you would naturally want to fight for the survival because that's what you want you want to survive get off the island or do whatever it is but because we're in a, in a in a place in the world where most of us i would like to think that most of us are either comfortable or content that you know that whole fighting or needing to kind of do better you didn't have that you know and for me you know I had nothing and sure that gave me something but I could have just taken mom's money or stayed at home and did nothing about it that I could have done yeah. that too so it's really how much you want it and you're right it's line years is a long time also not too long but you can do many things and on that same line of thinking many good things also take time yes you can't heal overnight you can progress overnight you can make all your money back overnight you can't figure out what you want to run it. It's not, Rome wasn't built in a day, as cliche as that sounds. It is very true. It wasn't built in a day and neither can most things in life. But I think the way I was sort of going from it is people, there will be people who are listening to this who are maybe not happy with their lot or maybe mm. who are in a dark mm. place and mm -hmm. actually who will look at mm. it and go, I can't see how I'm going to get from point A to point B. 
yeah but actually looking at sort of your journey and and others that yes nine years is and it isn't a long time but it gives that people insight and think oh maybe I can make that leap because in real terms nine years isn't that long I don't no. know it's it's, it's, a, it's a positive takeaway and um so it's, it's a nice way to end the podcast I think so. <laughs> thank you Tremaine thank you so much for joining me this uh, this afternoon where can if anyone wants to come and say hi or connect with you where, where's the best place for me to send them um LinkedIn uh actually because okay. uh yeah LinkedIn they can message me drop me a follow and when they ask to connect they can send me a message yeah I think LinkedIn is the best or okay. I yeah or an email address I guess no uh, LinkedIn's fine no? at LinkedIn's least you fine. can then uh you can filter rather than giving your email address out <laughs> but I'll, um, I'll link to that in the show notes down Wonderful. below so people can come say hi wonderful Tremaine thank you so much thank you for having me Chris this was a this was a really nice chat I'm glad you enjoyed I enjoyed it as well I'm glad you enjoyed <laughs> it too so great good to hear that was 10Q interview with Tremaine Teo if you made it to the end thank you I hope you enjoyed it feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at 10Q interview everywhere you may look that's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to this. And if you did get any value out of it, like I said in the introduction, a review would be hugely appreciated. Any shares, any likes, I love to see it. The next 10Q episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye.